for listening to the Life Church Boise weekly podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. And for any other messages or other resources, please visit us at lcboise.com. Just that combination to what we all have in common uh, as word and spirit and, and normal. I mean, Jesus was so normal, sinners wanted to go to dinner with him, but yet he had a perfect manifestation of the power of God and the word of God. And I think that's why God raised you up. I think about what Daniel prophesied about you. He saw you. He said you'd be strong. You would know your God and you would do exploits. Isn't it wonderful the Holy Ghost has already seen what you look like? That's kind of cool. What heaven said about you is that you'd be strong, not weak. You'd be strong. So I believe that you, you, God's going to amplify your voice here. I know the whole region knows about you, but this God raised you up as a pool of Bethesda so that people could see a normal Jesus. Bless our Savior's heart that he's gotten presented as the bad guy over the years. He's not the bad guy. He's good and his mercy endures forever. You know, it's just, it's weird how uh, Lucifer has painted a picture of God being mad at people. And you know what? This morning, God's not mad at you. He's not. He loves you. He's happy with you. He, he, he wants the very best for you. And you know, and as getting into end times, uh, over the years, I would go preach it in the Bible schools in Europe because they couldn't get, you know, Hilton Sutton or somebody else. So they sent crazy Uncle Joe. So I'd have to get into it. And, and uh, the Lord had told me to preach it. And then after a while, uh, um, it was just invitation after invitation. Would you, do, would you come to end times? So I'm like, wow, okay, sure. But I finally realized more of what it was, was the Lord wants you to know how much he loves you. Even as we get into end times, he wants you expectant. He wants you happy. You're bombarded every day in this world with things that aren't really cooperating with you. But God loves you. He gave his life for you. He wants the best for you. He wants you encouraged. He doesn't want you to ever have a down day. Zero down days. Amen. He, he redeemed you. He was mentally tormented so you don't have to be. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. He was, he was, uh, that, that, that torment, if you look that up, he was barraged with, with stuff. So you don't have to be. No, you're, this morning you're redeemed from the curse of the law. Greater is he that's in you than he's in this world. So we're living right before he comes. So it is exciting to connect the dots because right now you're watching the word of God coming to pass every week. It still kind of freaks me out as you pay attention to it. Go, wow, that came to pass. That came to pass. That came to pass. That came to pass. Man, the Lord's coming back. So privileged, privileged, privileged. Uh, just as Anna and Simeon were in position before the first coming of the Lord, uh, you're in position before the second coming of the Lord. So we're, we're very, very blessed. And man, you watch the world and what's going on in the world. It mirrors exactly what Jesus said. It'd be like the days of Noah uh, filled with corruption and violence. So just as the world gets darker, we get brighter. Uh, in the world, there is no good news for the world uh, other than Jesus coming back. But for you and I, we get to be this burning and shining light right before he comes. You get to display the kingdom, all the power of the kingdom. You get to show people before he comes. Jesus said, when you get near people, tell them the kingdoms come nigh to them. Amen. Hallelujah. So we're blessed, aren't we? So uh, good night, everybody. Drive safely. No, praise the Lord. Glad you came. Grab your Bibles and let's get into this. There's so much to get into. Uh, we're privileged. You know, I guess it was, go to Second Peter and we'll start here. I guess it was a few, uh, last year, uh, Colleen and I were in Virginia, uh, actually Buffalo, West Virginia. It was in March of last year. And the Lord told me before I spoke, I was there on Saturday and Sunday. Saturday, we did gifts of the Spirit all day. Sunday was in times. Before I got up Sunday morning, the Lord said, hey, talk about Esther today. I said, Lord, I don't have time to talk about Esther. I'm doing end times. You know, there's no way. I'm you know, pressed for time. I can't talk about Esther and talk about end times. He goes, I want you to talk about Esther. I said, Lord, you realize I've got to do end times today. That's what they asked me here to do. I can't talk about Esther. Second, third time, I want you to talk about Esther. I said, Lord, I can't talk about Esther. I've got stuff to get into here. So he told me again to talk about Esther. I said, okay, okay. So I got up and I just talked about how Esther went before the king and risked her life. And how Mordecai told her, hey, salvation is going to come to the Jews. You might as well realize why you're in favor. And, and who knows whether you come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Just real short. The next day, I flew back to Tulsa. Benjamin Netanyahu, the prime minister of Israel, came to America, to our Congress. He said, I'm coming to you as Esther came before the king. And verbatim quoted what I said in that service the day before. I was like, Lord, you're desperate for us to connect the dots. Jesus, Jesus, God. God himself is coming back to the planet. So we, 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 we've heard over the years, you know, you, the, the consensus has been you can't tell when he's coming back. But once we get into it, we can be very, very aware of how close we are. 
Because he said in the Bible, you are not in darkness so that day would overtake you as a thief. And the purpose of our getting into end times is it's an end time mentality of, of, a, of really like a football game, a two-minute warning. How many of you have seen when the two-minute warning comes, you go back to the huddle and somebody goes, yeah, I'm done. No, when the two-minute warning's there, you, you run faster. Could you imagine going back to the huddle and go, you know, my knees are kind of hurting. I don't think I feel like doing this last play. The quarterback would go, have you lost your mind? We've played this whole game to score right now. So that has to get into the church to we're not moved by how we feel, not moved by what we see. We're moved by focused on getting the, the, the job done. And uh, it's a time of no complaining. This goes over real good. But anyway, uh, could, could you imagine coming back to the huddle and going, I'm kind of winded. Could you tell the quarterback, he goes, I want you to go deep. I don't really, I'm a little winded here. No, you don't talk about how tired you are. There's no complaining. There's no murmuring. The focus is the Lord's about to come back. What do we need to do? These songs that we sing about him, you wake up in the morning, your heart's gladdened that he gave his life for you. All of a sudden, we're going to go from faith to sight. We're going to see him as he is, high and lifted up with his train filling the temple. You'll see that rainbow right around the throne. You'll see this glory. The only way you can even imagine it's a sunset when the sun's shining through the clouds and the radiance of that, that's what your dad's face looks like. All of a sudden, we're going to see him as he is. Eyes as a flame of fire. Feet like undefined brass. We'll go, how did he let himself be killed for us? He gave his life for us. There'll be honor. There'll be, there'll be a time to magnify and to glorify him throughout eternity. So as we get into end times, it's all a thought pattern of you're not done. It's a beginning, not an ending. The rapture is not the end. I hear people go, I don't want the Lord to come back because i got so much in my spirit. It's because you're going to live forever. Amen. I mean, we're going to come back and reign for a thousand years. It's going to be a very natural thousand years. So you're tasting of the powers of the world to come. I've had a taste of pizza. I want the whole pizza. (laughs) Amen. So exciting days ahead, wonderful days, days of fulfillment and and days of seeing the harvest and all of a sudden caught up. And then we come back with him again to, to implement that kingdom for a whole thousand years. So very, very normal season for us coming even more joy. Great joy, great, inexplicable joy, almost like a stupid joy or so happy. That's the only way I can call it. Just, you know, where you're so happy, people think something's mentally wrong with you. Amen. It's a good, it's a good thing. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for life church, Lord. What you've given life church to do, Lord, we thank you for, for their destiny in the days to come. We thank you for supernatural favor for, in the whole community surrounding around this area, Father, for you to amplify your voice through this church, Lord. We thank you for what you've given every believer in this church to do, Lord, that we'd launch out in this day to finish all of our courses. We thank you for supplying every need they may have, Lord, for the land next door, for buildings, for buses, whatever they need, Lord, supernaturally supply all their needs. I ask you to bring people from all around the world to pay things off in such a short time. Supernatural supply. We thank you for it. And, Father, we're grateful for those that will be born again and be swept into the kingdom right here in this, in this harvesting place. We thank you for it. And, Lord, as we approach your word today, thank you uh, that you'd be magnified and lifted up in all the verses. We honor you today, Jesus, as the King of kings and Lord of lords. Lord, we have a reverence for you and you giving your life. We, we have an appreciation that we get to live with you forever. We thank you for that, Father. In Jesus' wonderful name, and everybody said amen. Amen. Grab your Bibles there and go to Second Peter, and we'll start here, and we'll look at some things, and we'll get to some signs. We'll look at kind of the climate of the day that we live, and then we'll look at the signs of the coming of the Lord, because you're, you're seeing stuff happen in the probably the last 50 years that is pretty much remarkable. Uh, we talk about two or three signs of the coming of the Lord. There's about 50 exact signs of the second coming, and uh, we'll get into maybe seven or eight or ten of them today. One of them that I like is that men would be lovers of themselves, and we have selfie sticks now. So, I mean, the, we're, we're, we're mirroring what the Bible said we would do, uh, so uh, it, it's pretty blatant, uh, but, but we're, we're blessed. We're blessed this morning. We come in from a different attitude that this morning you know that you're redeemed from the curse of the law. You know that uh, you're seated with him in heavenly places. Ephesians says he's quickened you, he's raised you, he's seated you. So you're a different position than other generations. Let me say that. You're in a different position than other generations. There's a confidence and a boldness in you because of what Jesus did for you. And the more you hang around Jesus, the more liberated you are. There's zero fear. So we're very, very privileged, very, very blessed that we've had the entrance of his word. And we know it's the incorruptible seed that when it's sown, it grows up and it becomes. And you can get around people and you you can tell when they've been in the word because they have no fear. 
Thank you for your enthusiasm. It's true. See, what happens is when you get the word in you, you just don't have any fear. There's no concern. Amen. Because greater is he that's in you, that he's in this world. So when it comes to end time preaching, boy, you can hear the, the gamut of everything. I hear so much end time preaching, and it's usually filled with fear and, and, and scares people. If you hear end time preaching that brings fear, it's not Bible. Because let me just say this. There is no bad news for the church. You're living in the worst of it, and that's men would not be hungry. They'd be lovers themselves. You've pressed through a lack of hunger, and you're here to hear the word. The climate of I don't matter. You're in that climate. You're hearing the word. So, so you're fulfilling what God's called you to do. So grab your Bibles there. Go to Second Peter, and we'll start with chapter three. Look at verse one. This second epistle, beloved. Second Peter, chapter three, verse one. The second epistle, beloved. I now write unto you both, which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. It's good to be stirred up, that you'd be mindful of the words that were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandments of us, the apostles, the Lord and the Savior. Knowing this first, there shall come in the last day scoffers walking after their own lust saying where is the promise of his coming for since the fathers fell asleep all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation he gives you the climate that people would be saying oh we've been hearing that all of our lives well we've been hearing that because he's coming I said it last service. My mother used to say, hey, Jesus is coming back. And she'd scare me so bad. I went to bed every night thinking he's coming that night. I mean, Lord, I love you. So, you know, you can either respond one way or the other. But she scared me with threats like, hey, the Lord's coming back. I, I might borrow that from you, buddy. Thank you, sir. But you can, you, thank you, buddy. You can, re, you can respond either with haughtiness or humility. Knowing that you're about to see Jesus face to face, I would pray that it would bring humility. So think about the time that you live that you're going to go from faith to sight. So here he warns us in this hour, people would be thinking, oh, we've been hearing that. And it's kind of crept into the church. Well, the reason why you've heard it is because he is coming back. But the next verse gives you even more clarity. Look at verse 5. For this they willingly are ignorant that by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water. Basically saying here the flood came when no one believed the flood was coming. So change came when no one believed a change is coming. Now even people that don't know Jesus know something's up right now. You get around people in the world. I remember I was on a flight to Sweden, and I, I heard this, this lady, there's a flight attendant. She said, I just don't know what's going on. I said, well, I know what's going on. I went, and she, I went down the list with her. She goes, oh, my God. I went and got another flight attendant. I said, well, tell that flight attendant. I told that flight attendant what's going on. I went to do the whole thing, and we're going to go through it today. After a while, we had seven or eight flight attendants right there having a church service on the airplane. <laughs> because people want to know what's happening because something's happening, and that is the earth is going through. The Bible says the earth would go through this. It's not really convulsions, but there's just pressure for the earth to get ready for a change. And that the curse is about to be lifted off the earth. And my friend, you're the forerunner for that millennial reign of Christ. Can people get around you and see what the previews are of the millennial reign of Christ? Amen. Amen. They should look at the church and go, I know exactly what the kingdom is like. So here he's telling us change came when no one believed a change was coming. Amazing. Amazing that we, we, could you imagine Noah preaching about a flood? They go, well, it's never rained before. So they, they had that attitude, oh, it's never going to happen. And you see that attitude today. I said it before, uh, Hollywood has more of a sense of change than the church. They implement it with zombies and vampires. Could you, who would have ever thought zombie movies would be popular or zombie shows? That's weird. Uh, dead people coming up and walking around. Well, see, they sense the resurrection, but it's the wrong thing. The church is going to be evacuated. It's going to be res- resurrected. Amen. And those that are, have gone home to be with the Lord and Christ, they're, their bodies, they're going to be reunited with their bodies. As weird as that sounds, Jesus is coming back. Amen. So in that climate, you've got to be bolder and stronger than ever before. So watch what he says in verse 17. He gives us a little bit of a warning. He said, You therefore, beloved, seeing that you know these things before, beware, lest you also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. Now what is the error of the wicked? They think things are going to continue. They're not going to continue. Now, let me just say this. The world's not coming to an end, ever. Ever. The world's going to be here forever. I mean, God's going to renovate the earth. Then he's going to bring heaven down to earth. So the world's never coming to an end. Jesus is going to come and stop war at the second coming. Every movie you see where the hero comes in at the end to save the day gets that from the book. I mean, we think of Batman, Superman, or uh, Spider-Man, whatever. We all sense that. Jesus is, he's the deal. It's amazing. The church gets to see what the real is. We have the real deal. Amen. So he said, make sure in that climate, you don't fall from your own steadfastness. 
Let me just say this. How can you fall from something if you never had it in the first place? See, the words you've heard over the years has brought that steadfastness in you. And six times talking about the rapture of the church, the Bible tells you to be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. So as much as we get into end time preaching, it's to produce a steadfastness so that we're not moved by what we feel, not moved by what we see, but moved by what the word says about us. Because God wants a voice and a witness right before he comes back. And man, you, you, you look at the flawless of what's, flawlessness of what's happening right now, and you look at the scripture, we're privileged. I mean, we talk about the, the, the first coming of the Lord. All the prophecies, it, it's just the mathematics of it, the statistics of it is, is staggering. I mean, think about this. Paul talked about the baptism 12 times. Coming of the Lord, 52 times. For every verse there is about the first coming of the Lord, eight times more about the second coming. It's amazing how God put things in this book so that you can see how flawless he is. I mean, the Bible talks about in Psalms, Jesus being a worm. You know, there's a worm that excretes a certain chemical. That's what they make scarlet from. And in three days, it turns white as wool. Though your sins be scarlet, they'll be white as wool. Oh, come on. The Bible talks about the flood came to rest, stopped at the 17th day of the month. That's exactly the day Jesus was raised from the dead. So God, God did all these things in the book. So we go, there's a God involved. <laughs> Amen. So the statistics of the first coming of the Lord, I know you talked about that, but think of the odds. I mean, the first prophecy born in Bethlehem of the tribe of Judah, he'd be preceded by a messenger. His friends would betray him. He would be mocked. He would be spit upon. He'd have a pierce in his side, wear a crown of thorns. (laughs) They wouldn't break his legs. How cool is that? He'd be put on a cross. They'd gamble over his robe. He'd be buried in a rich man's tomb. It would get dark in the middle of the day while he's on the cross and he would be raised from the dead. The odds on all those coming to pass in one generation are 480 trillion times so many billion. It's like 400 and something with 33 zeros afterwards. Even in science, after so many zeros, it's absurd to think that it happened by chance. No, God said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go die for them. And then he was raised from the dead. Well, the flawlessness of the first coming, think of eight times more of the second coming. So we have verse after verse. Why would the Lord do that? To show you what to look for right before he comes so you'd be ready for it. People say, well, you can't tell when the Lord's coming back. Well, you can if you can read. I mean, just like if you're driving from Twin Falls to Boise and you go, how am I going to get to Boise? The sign says 120 miles. The sign says 100 miles. The sign says 80 miles. The sign says 50 miles. You know you're heading toward Boise. Then all of a sudden, once you get into Boise, you go from signs to signals. And we've gone right now from signs of the coming of the Lord to the heavens giving us signals of the coming of the Lord. So what does that do? The signs bring you peace. Wow, signs show me I'm getting nearer my, my destination. I'm getting close to my exit. So we're blessed to see this because the consensus has been you can't tell why would the lord put so many signs in there if you couldn't tell and he rebuked them for for not knowing their hour of their visitation he said hey you can tell what the weather's going to be but you don't know your hour of visitation he even tied the destruction of jerusalem to that so jerusalem was overthrown just because they couldn't tell time <coughs> that went over real good good night everybody I mean, you think about it, uh, you think about uh, Israel is your timepiece. There was a whole tribe in the Old Testament called the tribe of Issachar that had an understanding of the times to know what the children of Israel ought to do, indicating if you don't know what time it is, you won't know what to do. Just like in a race, uh, they, in, a, in, a, in an automobile race, the white flag comes out to let you know you got one lap left. And in that one lap, you, you start taking chances, you floor it, you don't worry about the motor making it, you go, man, we're, we're doing this, we've come this far, let's max it out. That has to get into the church. Let me just say this. We don't fit church into our life. It is our life. You'll be so glad you did right before the Lord comes back. Amen. So let's look at another verse. Go over to Isaiah. Look at this one. It's pretty cool. Then we'll get to some signs because we're so blessed to get to kind of connect the dots. Look at uh, Isaiah, if you would. Isaiah chapter 46. This one's so cool. And I know that you know this, but it just blesses us to get into it. Isaiah 46, look at verse 9. He said, Remember the former things of old. I'm God, there's none else. I'm God, there's none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning. And from the ancient times, things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. Amazing. He said, This is how you can tell that I'm God. I'll tell you what's going to happen before it happens. It should strengthen our faith to realize Ezekiel prophesied the very year Israel will be made a nation. 
Gabriel told Daniel the year Jesus would come the first time came exactly the year he said. So we can trust his word. I mean, listen to this. Let me read this to you. This is cool. This is how he's watching over it to perform it. So watch this. Uh, Adam means man. Seth means appointed. Enos means mortal. Canaan means sorrow. Mahiliel means the blessed God. Jared means shall come down. Enoch means teaching. Methuselah means his death brings. Lamech means despairing. And Noah means rest. Listen to what the first ten names of the guys in the Bible mean. Man is appointed mortal with sorrow. The blessed God shall come down teaching that his death brings the despairing rest. He gives you the whole plan of redemption with the first ten names of guys in the Bible. The precision of what he gave us, it lets us know right here before the second coming, we can start lifting up our heads because our redemption is drawing nigh. Not going, I have no idea what's going on. I know exactly what's going on. So with that, let's go to Luke and let's go through the signs of the second coming. There's about 50, but let's go through about 10 of them real quick. And we'll look at what's happened recently. And even in the last couple of years, there's been probably the last three years, there's been more visible, tangible signs of the coming of the Lord than ever before. We're very, very privileged. So go over to Luke, if you would. Buzz over there, and we'll get into what's been happening. Luke chapter 21, verse 24. It's page 108 if you've got a Bible like mine. So look at verse 24. They'll fall by the edge of the sword, and shall be led away captive unto all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down or overthrown of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. That's so radical. Jesus said, hey, when you see Jerusalem one back, time's up. So in 1967, Jerusalem was won back. That was the six-day war because we're at the end of six days of human history. So Jesus tied his return to and timing to Jerusalem. Now remember, if you live west of Jerusalem, you read left to right. You live east of Jerusalem, you read right to left. Everything goes back to that piece of real estate. Why does it go back to that piece of real estate? Jesus is going to reign there forever. That's the capital of the universe. I mean, Lucifer wants that spot so bad. The Palestinians, we want East Jerusalem. We want East Jerusalem. Our country last year, hang with me a second. Our country last year, the Supreme Court, the same day that it passed same-sex marriage, also passed that if you're an Israeli citizen born in Jerusalem, you don't have Israel on your passport. They want Jerusalem to be an international city. There's this pressure to give Jerusalem over to the international uh, world when really it's Israel. And the Jews that were born there said, well, if we're born in Jerusalem, we're not Israeli citizens. That's crazy. It'd be like being born in Washington, D.C. and you're not an American. So you see that weird pressure to put on people to say about Jerusalem. Because Jesus said, when you see Jerusalem one back, time is up. Pretty bold. So watch what he says. There's so much more to that. But watch what he says in verse 29 to help us. He said in verse 29, he said, look at the fig tree and all the trees. I like this, that the Lord gives us something natural to comprehend, to kind of even understand spiritual truth. He said, look at the fig tree and all the trees. When they now shoot forth or bud, you see and know of your own selves that summer our harvest is nigh at hand. Likewise, same way, when you see these things come to pass, know that the kingdom of God is nigh at hand. When you see these things, what things? The fig tree bud, Israel made a nation. Jerusalem won back. He said, when you see those things, you can see and know that the kingdom is nigh at hand. That's pretty radical. The next verse is the ticker. Look at verse 32. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass away till all is fulfilled. So Jesus said the generation that sees those two events, you're it. So it's weird how people go, well, we can't tell them the Lord's coming back. Well, you can. You saw Israel made a nation. You saw Jerusalem one back. Jesus said that generation will be here. I like this. He said you could see this and you could know this. I talk about Kenneth Hagin being born in 1917. Same year, Allenby flew into Jerusalem in a biplane. They'd never seen airplanes before like that. And they passed out flyers everywhere about Allenby. Well, in Arabic, it meant a prophet sent from God to deliver you your land. So Jerusalem was turned over without a shot fired. Fifty years later, think about that for a minute. Fifty years later, one jubilee, Jerusalem's one back. Okay, God's kind of into that jubilee stuff. So hang with me. Kenneth Hagin's born, and the Lord appears to his mother before he's born. Don't you love this? Jesus appears to her and says, hey, name your son John. She goes, I don't like John. I'll name him Kenneth. I love her arguing with Jesus. How weird is that? I mean, isn't that cool? Yeah, that's good. Whatever, Lord, that's good. But let's name him Kenneth. But guess what Hagin means in the Hebrew? Now, this is what the Lord told his mother, that he would have a part in getting the earth ready for the second coming. Not everything, but a part. I mean, like this year I spoke at Rama, Australia, Rama, Mexico. Uh, last year, Rama, Geneva, Rama, Norway, Rama, Nice. 
here, Brother Hagin's ministry all over the world, getting the earth ready for the second coming. Don't you love God doing that? So low-key, just teaching the Word. You know, no, no fanfare. I would like to get like a, a Roman candle sometime while you're preaching. Wouldn't that be cool? <laughs> or some sparklers, you know what I mean? I'd use them. I would. Hallelujah. Amen. I'd have a helmet with a siren on it. I don't take it with me very much. Because he told Joel, sound an alarm. Come on. But you know, Brother Hagin's born, and the Lord tells his mother that he would have a part getting the earth ready. Guess what Hagin means in the Hebrew? One to go before to prepare people for the coming of the Lord. John Hagin. Well, see, this is this, we're in that generation that Jesus is coming back. Well, how do you know that? Because I can read. Jesus said the generation that sees Israel made a nation and Jerusalem back, you're it. He said, well, how can you be bold about that? Because Jesus said over and over, you could know this, not wonder. Now, that freaks, freaks people out. Anytime you start getting radical about the Bible, we're taking God at his word. Now, those are two signs. we got about 50. So once you get into it, there's so many signs to back up even what Jesus said that we're very, 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 very supernaturally blessed. So Jesus said that generation will not pass away. Go a little further. Pretty cool. He says in verse 33, heaven and earth will be altered, but my words won't be altered. In other words, the the earth's going to be altered, but you can't change this. If you're here to see that, you're it. And then he said, take heed to yourself, lest at any times your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and the cares of life, so that day comes upon you unawares. Isn't that something? You could be living with the two biggest signs and be too busy to realize it. That the very thing that Jesus said, he warned us, hey, don't get so busy that you don't see the two main signs. And that's Israel made a nation and Jerusalem won back. Pretty amazing. You're living in the reciprocal or the back end of Israel was scattered in Acts chapter 8. They've been regathered when? Your lifetime, 1948. But keep the two dates in your mind, 1967 and 1948, because those will come here in a moment when we get into some of the signals, that we're a very, very privileged generation. What a miracle to see God bring the Israelis back to their land. I mean, Jews will get off a plane from Russia, and all of a sudden they come back to their land. You know what they say? I don't know why I'm here. Now think about that. They've moved their life and their family back to the land and don't know why. Something has pulled them back. God's word is so powerful, he's drawn them back to their land while you're alive. Pretty, pretty remarkable, amen? amen? You talk about the miracles involved in the Six-Day War. I talked about one of them before, but there's many. You can Google them and look at them all now. I mean, one of them was the 88 tanks were coming down against Jerusalem when Jerusalem was won back. And one Israeli guy said, you know what? I'm going to go out with a bang. I'm not going to, if I'm going to get shot at, I'm going to at least fire some shells at him. This guy was a cook. It wasn't even a tank commander. He started firing shells at the Egyptian army. One guy against the whole 88 tanks. He starts firing shells, firing shells. All of a sudden, the the Egyptian tank commander pulls out a white flag and he said, I'm here to surrender to the highest ranking officer. The Israeli guy goes, highest ranking officer, ain't nobody here but us. He said, oh, no, there's more. It wasn't just like that. The whole countryside all night has been filled with tanks with men dressed in white. You've been shelling us all night. We can't take it anymore. That was when Jerusalem was won back. Miracle after miracle after miracle. Divine intervention for, for the Jews to get Jerusalem back. Pretty amazing. And I said it before. You Google that guy. You talk to them. They don't even believe in miracles. They say, I don't even believe in this stuff. But something happened that night. That's exactly right. The, the, the timing of God. Fifty years after uh, uh, Allenby went into Israel, one jubilee, Jerusalem gets won back. And Jesus said here, if you see these two things, you're the generation. So we're privileged. But let's run through some more. I mean, it's, it's amazing. You can get into all those things even in what, such greater depth. But uh, we're, we're blessed. Let's tie some things into right now. Let's get into a few more that are, that are been a little bit more current. Well, it's, one of them is 100 years old, but it's the Hebrew language being restored. The Bible says real clear, it's Zephaniah. Right before the Messiah comes back, I'll restore to them a pure language. 100 years ago, no one spoke Hebrew. Now they all speak Hebrew. You ought to Google that. Guess when that's ever happened before? Never. You can't find Amorites. You can't find Hittites. Try to find a Hittite language. Can't find it. God resurrected the language just for them because he said he would. Hallelujah. So we have all these physical, tangible things to connect our mind and our hearts to that God has done while we are on the planet. All right, so you got the language restored. After that, you've got the Ethiopian Jews brought back. 18,000 airlifted in one day. 
They, uh, an American man paid $30 million. He was running from the law. He was known as be a, a, a drug smuggler and a money launderer. He said, I'm going to do one good deed for the Jews. Pay $30 million bucks to, to airlift them out. C-130s flew right down into Ethiopia, loaded up those planes, and brought them out. Chuck Roberts on Headline News. This is 1992. He said, an exodus that eclipses the book of Exodus. You have a secular newsman preaching about how awesome it was for God to bring the Jews out of Ethiopia. Why? Because God said he would, and he did it while we're here on the planet. So you're watching what God said come to pass right in front of your eyes. All right, the next one would be the fertility of the land of Israel. I mean, I was up on the Golan Heights one time. It is remarkable. I told my buddy, you can see the border of Syria, and you can see Damascus. And I told him, I said, hey, you realize you guys are going to nuke Damascus, or somebody is. Isaiah 17, 1 says Damascus would be removed from being a city. Hezbollah is building, uh, 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 what do you call it, uh, weapons there, chemical weapons in, in Damascus right now. Hezbollah is a terrorist organization that has 100,000 missiles aimed at Israel, just north of Israel. So Israel's completely surrounded by people wanting to kill them. But I was up on the Golan Heights, and uh, everybody still with me? I think I'll do Elvis on that one. I was up on the Golan Heights, and I, I saw the grass there, and you could see the border of Syria. And I told my buddy, do you guys use Scott Super Turf Builder? Uh, or do you have a sprinkler system? He looked at me like, have you lost your mind? Because to get my grass to look like their grass, I got to water it, I got to fertilize it, I got to take care of it, I got to baby it. He goes, we don't do anything to it. The dirt is so blessed. You have a tangible representation of God's covenant. So it doesn't even take faith. You can physically see it with your eyes. Their ground is dead. The Jews' ground is alive and well. Israel produces 90% of the fruit for all of Europe. So you have a little nation the size of New Jersey producing 90% of the fruit for a whole continent. Because God said, in the latter days, I'll make, I'll make the desert blossom like a rose. You can go out and see the cornfields in Israel, and there's rose bushes everywhere. And I thought, why would they have rose bushes here? And it's because they'll, the insects will go to the roses before they'll go to the corn. They just know what to do. Hallelujah. The next one would be the revival of the Roman Empire. This one's pretty cool because you can Google this today and look at it. It's pretty cool. Revival of the Roman Empire. What is that? The United States of Europe. That's what Britain just annexed out of to get away from. The Bible says that that would be a platform for the Antichrist. And he would come from revived Rome. Pretty amazing that you see the setup for that. The EU right now is putting pressure on Israel every single week. But you should look at it. Their their, uh, capital building is in Brussels, Belgium. And inside the Capitol building, there's, there's all these markings from Nebuchadnezzar all over the wall. There's a molecule of iron out in front of the building, magnified because Daniel saw iron and clay. The remarkable thing, though, is uh, Google it and look at it. It's identical. The building's identical to the Tower of Babel. It's done circular like this, and it's kind of fragmented toward the top like where they quit building the Tower of Babel. That's what the EU's Capitol building looks like right now. It's kind of cool to Google that because guess what their computer's name is on the inside of it? It's called the beast. <clears throat> you, can, you can pull up. Uh, there's a company in, in Germany called, actually, it's in, in between Austria and Switzerland. There's an area there. They have a particle collider that's underground called CERN, C-E-R-N. Guess what their logo is? You should, you should Google that today, too. 666. <laughs> They're trying to find the God particle. So you would think someone would go, hey, guys, our, our logo is not really cool. <laughs> it's 666. I do sometimes want to get a tattoo that gets activated by heat that while I'm preaching all of a sudden 666 pulls up on your forehead. No, I don't want to do that. <laughs> Wouldn't that be cool that while you're preaching all of a sudden, oh my God, that's coming up. <laughs> no, it is remarkable that the mark of the beast will be used you know, so soon while we're not here. All that will be implemented during that seven-year tribulation period. So blessed are we that we don't have to be here during that seven years because we get to be evacuated. Hallelujah. Amen. I hear people say, well, that's a, that's a thought pattern. You have God trying to rescue you. Yeah, you always evac the ambassadors out before war. And we're about to be evacuated to leave the planet. So you have the fertility of the land of Israel. It's pretty amazing. you got the revival of the Roman Empire. You have all these things. And you have, uh, this was one of the ones that's been recently, and we'll get into some of those now, is uh, I was watching the Animal Planet channel. And this Israeli ornithologist, and that's a bird specialist, I said first service, my brother was an ornithologist, went to school for nine years, and my dad asked him, what would you learn? He said, I learned how to play poker. 
So that's what an ornithologist, what my brother learned. But she, she's on TV, and I watch ESPN. I'm kind of a sports guy. But I'm watching the Animal Planet channel. I never watch it. And she said 172 different species of predatory birds start showing up in the land of Israel. And I'm like, she goes, we don't understand it. Man, I perked up. And now it's up to 500. Why is that a big deal? Right after we're raptured, God calls on the fowl of the air to come clean the land up in Israel. And then seven years later at the Battle of Armageddon, Revelation chapter 19, he calls on the fowl of the air to come clean the land up again, to eat the flesh of captains and horses and mighty men. Okay, you've got the cleanup crew in Israel right now. I mean, even in Noah's day, if they thought Noah was crazy, when the animals start showing up, you go, hmm, Noah may not be as crazy as we thought. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Eventually, you have to kind of use your brain. But, you know, there's such a hardness of heart. People have some, they're so hard-headed, they have a seven-year period where God's going to show them sign after sign after sign to try to get their heart turned. I mean, the the water turns to blood during that seven years. People are fishing. We're not catching much. Well, hello, the water turned to blood. So God's going to be doing some radical things during that seven-year period. But you're watching the signs of it right now. I mean, you have the predatory birds showing up on the History Channel. You have the Catholic Church talked about Bishop Malachi from 1129 A.D. He's a bishop. Now watch this. He's a bishop that had a vision of every pope's coat of arms all the way up to the second coming. Now watch this. 100%. He, he got their coat of arms correctly. He's batting a 1,000. Now the pope's coat of arms was very detailed. Some popes were military. Some were worshipers. Some were naval, very marine type popes. He got the coat of arms for every single one all the way up to the coming of the Lord. Got every one of them right. Guess how many he saw? 113. Guess what pope we have right now? 113. So you have the Catholic Church having this a thousand years ago. You got now predatory birds. Now you got Israel made a nation. You got Jerusalem won back. You got the fertility of the land of Israel. You got the Ethiopian Jews brought back. I mean, and just recently, Aerosmith Stephen Tyler got saved. So, <coughs> I mean, I don't. That's like the last sign of the coming of the Lord. I'm serious. I mean. When, uh, it is kind of crazy. I, I put it on my t-shirt, the last sign. I put the signs on the back. Aerosmith, Stephen Tyler got born again. Let me tell you, that, that ought to preach to us that Jesus is coming back. So there's many, many more. I mean, there, there, there's, there's, there's sign after sign after sign that shows us how blessed we are. I mean, you've got the Temple Mount Institute that's there, a group of people that have been going to school for 20 some odd years to be priests because right after we're raptured they're going to start having sacrifices again and they're getting ready for that and have been preparing you even had about two months ago they went out and had a sacrifice right outside the temple mount there's something happening every single week even about the temple mount and with the area of jerusalem where the jews got back in 1967 i mean if you had time to go into all of it it's almost like wow it's blatant it's obvious it's exact but let's talk about the signs from the heavens for a minute go over to matthew 24 Real quick, and then we'll get to some of the, the signals that we've got. Look at Matthew 24 for just a second. So glad you came today. Yes. How many glad you're here and not surgery? Come on, praise the Lord. Amen. <laughs> Church is better than surgery. Hallelujah. The Lord's coming back. Look at Matthew 24 real quickly. It, this is a lot of verses, but I want to get to some of the things that are happened uh, last week and even this year and some really remarkable things that happened the year before. But watch what Jesus said here in Matthew 24. Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and disciples came to him to show him the buildings of the temple. Jesus said, See not all these things, verily I say unto you, there shall not be left here one stone upon another shall not be thrown down. As he sat upon the Mount of Olives, disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? What shall be the sign of your coming and of the end of the world, of the end of the age? Jesus said, Take heed that no man deceive you. Many shall come in my name, saying, I'm Christ, so deceive many. You'll hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not troubled. All these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Nation, nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There'll be famines, there'll be pestilence, there'll be earthquakes in diverse places. I like verse 8. All these are the beginning of sorrows. The word sorrows is the word birth pains or contract. And then he answers from verse 9 to verse 22 with the tribulation period. Now you ask me, hey, when's the Lord coming back? I'd say, hey, when you see the Lord moving in all the churches and great revival. He answered them by saying a tribulation period. He said, when you see that seven-year tribulation period, you can tell I'm coming back. Because he's talking to Jewish boys about what the second coming, not about the rapture. So right now you have Russia that's come down into Syria has more armament in Syria than we can imagine. Russia gone into the Ukraine. Russia gone into Crimea because the Bible says Russia is going to come down on Israel. You've had Russia this last year buzz our, our naval vessels 
buzz our airplanes, doing all kinds of things very confrontational, and Putin quoting Hitler twice and not one world leader says a word. So you've got Russia setting up for this. Now watch. If the devil can move people into position to do what they're supposed to do right for the coming of the Lord, how much can heaven move you and I in position? Oh, come on. Those Jewish guys at the Temple Mount Institute, they're not even born again yet, yet they've been moved on by God to train for something that's going to happen after we leave. If they can do that without God living in them, how much more you and I with God living on the inside of us? Amen. So you have the Temple Mount Institute. You've got uh, China's one-child policy. You've got Russia doing what they're doing. But let's, let's talk about this for a minute. This is pretty amazing with, with the things that are happening, specifically even with Russia. Little bitty threads of things that when I see it, I go, wow. I mean, number one, ISIS the last couple of years, damming up, trying to dam up the river Euphrates. When I saw that, I was like, wow, the Lord's coming back. Because the Bible says right before the second coming, the Euphrates runs dry so the kings of the east can come over. And you've got ISIS doing that. Just in the last few months, you've had the word Assyrian, where ISIS went in and destroyed relics there in Palmyra in Syria. They were where the, the Tower of Babel was. And that word Assyrian started coming out. Why? Because the Bible says the Antichrist is called the Assyrian. So you see that word even coming to the forefront again. But now let's talk about signals from heaven. The Bible says in Genesis that he would have the planets would be signals for us. We call it the summer solstice, winter solstice. we, We pattern our seasons after the planets and after the heavens. Not weird. People try to live by that and they get weird. They get into astrology. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about people having enough brains to follow the Bible. Amen? Because last year and the year before, what did you have? Blood red moods on Passover and Tabernacles. That's a pretty big deal. I mean, it's so quiet in the church, we should be talking about it, we should be screaming about it, because the Bible says for that great notable day of the Lord, the sun would be darkened and the moon would turn to blood. So last year and the year before, on Passover and Tabernacles, you had the heavens signaling, I'm coming back. What were they signaling? Passover and Tabernacles? I died for you. Tabernacles is the second coming. So the heavens were going, I died for you. I'm coming back. I died for you. I'm coming back. It doesn't get much more blatant than that. I was in Grosbeck, Texas before the first blood red moon. And now I'd had in California, the church we were attending, I'd put up on a screen behind me probably five or six years ago about the blood red moons coming, you know, the dates of them and all that. Not, not any big deal, but just kind of cool that you can connect to it. And I had been praying out. I was actually in Grosbeck, Texas a month before the first blood red moon. I was praying out in my hotel room, just praying in tongues, you know, walking the floor, just build myself up on my most holy faith. And I started praying out April to see, April to see. I started calling friends of mine, what's, what's been prophesied about April? Now, I've been preaching about the blood red moons, and the first one's going to be in April. I've been preaching on it for like five years. And I'm walking the floor, April to see, April to see. And I'd ask people, you know, anybody prophesying anything about weird about April? No, no, not, not really anything. So Colleen and I, you know, before that first blood red moon, got out in the backyard. I uh, had a little outdoor fire going. It was kind of cold in Tulsa that first April. All of a sudden, I watched the moon right in front of my eyes turn blood red. And, and I thought, man, this is the coolest thing ever. I'm watching what God said would happen right before he returned. And the Lord goes, I told you, you'd, you'd see it in April. I said, that was it? He goes, I made the moon turn blood red for you. You need something else? Come on. <laughs> I mean, here I preach about this, but yet I wanted more. You know what I'm saying? We're so used to sparklers and so used to Batman and Sp- Spider-Man that here he had a planet turn blood red for me on Passover, the day that he gave up his life. And then you had a blood red moon on the, on the day he's going to come back, the second coming. Now hang with me. Those four in a row are called NASA, called them a tetrad. When's the last time you had a tetrad on, on Passover and Tabernacles in a row like that? 1967, 1948, and 1492 when the Jews were kicked out of Spain called the Edict of Expulsion. And God raised up a little country called America to be a safe harbor for the Jews. So you have the heavens signaling the same times that great things happened for the Jews. Made a nation in Jerusalem went back. Doesn't get much bigger than that. And then this last year, you had the Bethlehem Star. Let's talk about that for a second. I know this is a lot of info, but just hang with me. Kepler's Laws of Planetary Motion. You can go back with a computer, plug in a date, and it'll show you what the heavens are doing. Well, on the birth of Jesus, the, what the Bethlehem Star was, was Jupiter, a king star, and uh, uh, Regulus, regal, a king star, and Venus. Remember, winter from Mars, women are from Venus. Venus is a mother planet. All three of them came together at the birth of Jesus. That's what the Magi saw. They, they were smart enough to travel for months because they saw a king was going to be born. Okay? 
All right, last year, Lester Holt, NBC Nightly News, said we have a celestial event. We got Jupiter, we got Regulus, and we got Venus. I said, man, I know what that is. That's the Bethlehem star. Freak me out. And, and so I, I, last year, I had a friend of mine in San Francisco. You could see it. They, all the planets came together. So, several buddies of mine said, man, I saw it. It was amazing. I saw the Bethlehem star. Guess what the constellation was, though? At the birth of Jesus, it was Virgo. Last year, guess what the constellation was? Leo. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. Have you had, guess when that happened again? 2,000 years ago. Hadn't happened for 2,000 years. All right, this year, May, May 4th and 5th, you had Mercury do a flyby across the sun. It was on the news. Lester Holt, NBC Nightly News, said we have a celestial event. Mercury's doing a flyby, right? Right in front of the sun. I thought, well, that's cool. No big deal. There's just a couple other things to it, though, right? Mercury crossed right on the Temple Mount at the exact degrees of longitude and latitude of where God's going to have for his, his throne forever. And the planets turned into a perfect signal, sickle along with the moon turning into a perfect sickle. And the constellation Orion changed this tool to a hammer. You have hammer and sickle on the same day. Okay, that's Russia's symbol. Guess what's happening next? Hammer and sickle. Russia is going to come down on Israel and attack Israel. And God's going to say rat-a-tat-tat with his baseball bat. And the Bible says that 82% of Russia are pushed back. And the Bible says that the heathen may know that he is God. So you're watching the setup for that. What does that mean? Israel's getting ready to go through the threshing floor. Thank God I don't need any signs of the coming of the Lord. I have a witness in my spirit that Jesus is coming. But God's so merciful, you got sign after sign after sign after sign after sign after sign. I mean, it is amazing. And the whole purpose of it is He loves you. He wants it hammered into your mind and into your soul today how much He loves you. The whole thought pattern for this is He can't wait to see you. Can't wait to see His kids. When my daughter calls me, my, my daughter is 28 married when my phone lights up with her name it doesn't matter who what's going on i'm gonna to talk to my little kid i can't wait to see her can't wait to talk to her i live to see my kid she was coming a couple weeks ago for one day in tulsa i was plotting for weeks what was i going to buy her before she got there i was plotting ahead what to bless her with was it her birthday no was it christmas no i love my little girl i want to bless her my mentality is to express that to her and the father god's the same way about you I was preaching in Craig, Colorado. I'm closing with this. I was preaching in Craig, Colorado a few years ago. It was so cold, you had to have engine heaters on the blocks of your car. 23 degrees below zero. Man, I thought, how could it be this cold here? It's a wonderful church we're preaching in. And as I was preaching, I felt like somebody wanted to kill me. I don't know why I get that a lot, but anyway, I just sensed it. <laughs> You could kind of feel it. And I thought, man, it just seems like well, somebody wants to kill me, you know. And so I was preaching along. At the end, I had a word of knowledge. Uh, I saw someone get shot in the eye. So I called it out. Now, I have weird words of knowledge over the years, you know, and you just learn to do whatever. I saw a woman one time fly fishing, catch a hook in her eye. I saw a woman in Bartlesville, Oklahoma, get a, a fork po- poked in her eye. I was just praying with some friends that were there in that meeting. He said, I remember the day the lady was poked in the eye. I said, yeah, that was cool. That was 20-some years ago. So I called that out in the meeting. I said, it's like you got shot in the eye and no one came down. So I called out some other things, ministered to some other people, and I actually forgot about it. And Because uh, uh, I was just busy trying to minister to some other people. Usually I kind of remember, but I forgot. So we left the service, you know, went to lunch, came back to the hotel. And I went down to the, Colleen and I went down, my wife, Colleen, we went down to the lobby of the hotel to get a cup of coffee. This guy comes walking up to me and goes, hey. He goes, I was coming to the service tonight to kill you. I said, uh, would you like some coffee? <laughs> you, want cre- you want cream, sugar? What, can, what, can, I, what can, can I get you? He goes, no, I'm the guy that got shot in the eye. He's coming to the service to kill me. That This power of God came down on him that afternoon, healed his eye, and he asked the Lord into his heart. So see, he, his mercy endures forever. You got people want to kill you, don't want to hear you, and they get healed and saved. So, so God's filled you with so much word. That the people that you work around may think you're crazy, but you can connect the dots with them. They go, what's happening? Go, I'll tell you what's happening. Jerusalem was won back. Israel's made a nation. The Ethiopian Jews were brought back. The revival of the Roman Empire. You got the fertility of the land of Israel. Things that are inarguable, idiot-proof, and exact 
and precise that our God has done in your lifetime. So what do we do as a church? We lift up our heads. We change our walk. Our countenance is not to be downtrodden. We pick up our heads. We have a renewal of hope. We have a renewal of expectation. And we pick up the pace to where people get around us and they go, what's wrong with you? I'm about to see Jesus. Are you crazy? No, no. Israel's made a nation. Jerusalem's won back. Hebrew language restored. Ethiopian Jews brought back. You go down the list with them. I don't know. God's so cool. He'll help you say just the right words to get their heart. Next thing you know, they're on fire for God. Next thing you know, they're, they get someone else on fire for God. The next thing you know, they get more people saved. And I don't, I hate to say it, but your problem is how do we kick out all the walls? <laughs> Where do we park everybody? It'll be cool. Maybe Pastor Mark sets up speakers on the outside and just does a big old megaphone. Welcome to life, church. Come on in tonight. Get healed tonight. He starts doing Shambach or whatever. Because whatever you need... I believe right up until the coming of the Lord, there'll be just great increase and there'll be wonderful expectation. And just as we get there right before the rapture of the church, we'll be meeting all the more, worshiping and honoring him because we're about to see Jesus face to face. So I've skipped over a ton of signs, but there, there are many, 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 many things to point to the Lord's coming back in our lifetime. Amen. So live, plan like he's not coming in your lifetime, but live like he's coming this afternoon. Walk holy, walk humble, have a humility about you. This is the word for the last days. Have a thoughtfulness about you. <laughs> That's the key word for heaven, thoughtfulness. Be, be thoughtful, be kind, be gentle, be patient, be, be, be full of meekness. When we get to heaven, the number one thing we'll see about Jesus, look at the humility of God himself. So think of the protocol, and then we'll dismiss in just a moment. The protocol uh, of seeing the throne of God. The Bible says we'll be there before uh, uh, as a sea of crystal clear as glass. Crystal is the only element that will not hide a flaw. You're going to be flawless before the throne of God. And there'll be a worship like you've never worshipped before in your life. There'll be an honor. There'll be a, a magnifying of that's our dad, that's our God, and we honor him. So in the time that we have before we leave, let's do it. Let's hustle. Whatever's coming for your church, let's rock and roll. Let's do it. No hesitation. Full speed ahead. Pedal to the metal. Jesus is coming soon. Father, we love you. We thank you for life, church. We hope you enjoyed this message. Find our other messages on iTunes or visit our website at lcboise.com and follow us on social media, Life Church Boise. Thank you and have a blessed day.